DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent, and the Falcons do need a wide receiver. But if you're a true NFL fan, you don't want to see him land in Atlanta. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, the podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Make sure you follow in their footsteps Follow their blueprint for success by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So today's episode, we will be joined later by Andrew Lyon of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast who talk about the Falcons seventh round offensive line selection in Javon Gwynn uh, to wrap up our sort of ongoing series talking with the various locked on college hosts about each of the Falcons six draft picks. And so that will be in store at the end of today's episode. But first we'll talk all about the Falcons wide receiver need and talking all about DeAndre Hopkins. Now this is not the first time on lockdown Falcons that we have talked about DeAndre Hopkins as a possible Atlanta Falcons target. We talked about it two months ago back in mid March when trade rumors uh, that clearly did not go anywhere first surface that connected the Falcons to Deandre Hopkins. And now, you know, we're here at the end of May or potentially the beginning of June. If you're, you know, one of these knuckleheads that does not make lockdown Falcons, your first listen each and every day, but uh, clearly the trade has not happened and, and, and certainly is not going to happen because officially on Tuesday, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was released by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, it was officially announced, or it was initially announced back on Friday that the Cardinals were releasing uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but because of the Memorial Day weekend and the fact that the Cardinals did not officially process that transaction on Friday, it did not become official until Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and, you know, of course, over the weekend, there was like a slim possibility that maybe some team would be able to, uh, you know, sweeten the pot and, and give the Cardinals what they were looking for via trade offer. But obviously that did not happen, but you know, we'll start off talking about Deandre Hopkins. And, and now the possibility is that Deandre Hopkins could sign with the Atlanta Falcons. If that was the place that he so choose, but I sit here with my spicy take of the day. Uh, you know, I got to have one each on every episode. That is your first listen is that I think if you're a true fan of the NFL, you don't really want Deandre Hopkins, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons, like clearly, you know, there will be benefits to DeAndre Hopkins landing here in Atlanta. Uh, but you know, we'll talk about those later, but I don't think you really, you know, if you, if you just want, you know, you know, you believe in utilitarian uh, philosophy and, and what does the most good for the world, uh, DeAndre Hopkins in an Atlanta Falcons uniform is not that right. And it doesn't sound like DeAndre Hopkins is particularly interested in being Atlanta Falcon. He was on a podcast, uh, not too long ago with Brandon Marshall, and he was asked a question like, which five quarterbacks would you like to catch passes from? Um, and, you know, he rattled off a bunch of names, and Desmond Ritter was not on that list. Maybe if he had expanded it to six, maybe we would have gotten there. But based off of who he named, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, 
doesn't sound like Desmond Ritter is high on this list. And and while, you know, we here on Locked on Falcons uh, are big fans of Desmond Ritter, I don't think it's it's going to be probably at least a year or two before he gets into that conversation with some of those guys, uh, if you're being very optimistic about that. And, you know, clearly by those names, all of those are top end, top five, top 10 quarterbacks. Most of those teams that we mentioned are teams that are expected to be in Super Bowl contention. And, you know, it's DeAndre Hopkins at the towards the end of his career in his quote unquote ring chasing phase of his career. And it's, it's, I, I bring that up just because I've talked with Falcon fans over the last several months, you know, we've talked about the Falcons either wide receiver position and, you know, occasionally someone will bring up the idea of, you know, Hey, why not bring back Julio Jones uh, to Atlanta, given the Falcons needed the position and, you know, wanting him to come back home. But then you always have these fans that say, well, he's ring chasing and they say it with such disdain. And it, it, it's, it's just funny to me because like you would only have to be a fan of a specific team, you know, in this case, not talking about the quote unquote true NFL fans uh, that, you know, love all the teams and maybe just love one team in particular more than the others. Uh, but you, you, you would have to uh, be only a fan would look at disdain for a professional football player that is trying to seek the highest pinnacle of achievement in the team sport, which is winning a Super Bowl as something that is, you know, they, like, they spit when they say it or something like that, you know? So it's just funny when, when I heard that, uh, in reference to Julio Jones, quote unquote, ring chasing uh, from a couple of fans that they said it with disdain. And I imagine some of those fans are looking at DeAndre Hopkins and his short list of quarterbacks is like, oh, he's he's ring chasing. We don't want him here or or something like that. So I think if you're a true football fan, uh, you know, what does the most good for the world is DeAndre Hopkins playing for one of these AFC teams. You know, I'm a little biased here, but I, I personally think Buffalo would be a great landing spot for him. Um, so that we can just get incredible games in the month of January so that Buffalo and Cincinnati and Kansas City can pull off this arms race, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins with Josh Allen, you know, going up against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Cincinnati. And then, you know, going up against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and whoever or the Chiefs receiver Sky Moore, I guess, uh, you know, we found out last year that it doesn't really matter who Patrick Mahomes is throwing to. It's, it's still going to be just fine. But that to me does the most good for the world. And so we can have these games in January. Obviously we hope that the Falcons are also playing meaningful games in January, but you know, what does the most good is us being able to sit down on those Saturdays and Sundays in the month of January, watching Deandre Hopkins playing for one of these teams that are in the AFC that are, you know, competing for the highest levels and, seeing DeAndre Hopkins get that chance to chase that ring and get that ring after several years of, you know, playing for mediocre football teams like the Houston Texans and Arizona Cardinals, no offense to those fan bases, but certainly none of those teams, you know, were really serious Super Bowl contenders. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, a couple of years ago, people were like, Oh, the Cardinals could do something. And then, you know, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray in that Rams playoff game, but we'll leave that aside. Um, But, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about DeAndre Hopkins being a, a significant addition to the Falcons. We'll talk about how he could help the Atlanta Falcons, but you know, I don't think you guys, I think you guys should probably stop fantasizing about it. Although, you know, we don't kink shame here on locked on Falcons. Your first listen, you know, you can fantasize about whatever you want to fantasize about. And that includes DeAndre Hopkins in a Falcons uniform, do your best. But I just think, you know, that dream is probably not going to happen. So why set yourself up for disappointment? Although there is a dream for the Falcons to add another wide receiver. I'm talking about, you know, Corey Davis watch because it's notable to me that the Jets are a team that are reportedly interested in DeAndre Hopkins. And that just only adds fuel to the fire. Uh, and what that's what we'll focus on 
uh, as we continue today's episode talking about, you know, when is Corey Davis going to become free so that he can join the Atlanta Falcons. But we'll revisit some of those pros and cons of what, you know, this Falcons offense could look like with DeAndre Hopkins in the fold. So we will indulge in your fantasies to continue today's Locked On Falcons. But first, guys, I want to tell you about the delicious snack that is so good that you won't believe it's healthy for you, but it is, as, of course, Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and that's because Built Bars are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They're low in sugar, they're low in calories, but they're high in protein with a whopping 17 grams of protein. They come in a variety of flavors. I myself just ordered myself a box of their limited-time flavor, which is the Red Velvet Puff. It just came in the mail today. It's delicious. So head on over to Built.com, find your particular flavor, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, you'll get 15% off your order, or you can head to uh, Sam's Club or Walmart to get yourself a box of pill bars. Go to the pharmacy section in Walmart. You'll get a four-bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate. If you're at Sam's, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box of brownie batter puff or churro. Check out Bilt Bar. You will thank me later. So continuing today's episode, we talked last about what DeAndre Hopkins could do in Atlanta, I think on the March 23rd episode of the podcast. So go check that out. But just to kind of rehash and revisit some of the talking points we had in that episode, talking about the pros and cons of the Falcons then making a DeAndre Hopkins trade. So now potentially, you know, pursuing DeAndre Hopkins as a free agent now that he is uh, officially that, you know, the pros of DeAndre Hopkins are pretty obvious. He's you're going to add a very good wide receiver that's going to do potentially wonders for your young quarterback. We've seen over the years uh, how, you know, having that, you know, big time receiver has been able to elevate, you know, many a young quarterback to the next level. And while, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is not the elite receiver that he once was arguably the best receiver you know potentially a hall of fame caliber receiver that was in the top three to five receivers consistently for most of the last decade uh when people rank those receivers he's still a pretty good receiver if you go back uh and look at his last 17 games that was something i touched upon on a previous episode where like he was putting up numbers comparable to what you would consider to be a top 10 top 15 receiver in the same mold as Devonte smith or uh, dk metcalf so clearly he can do a lot of wonders for your offense and while we are hopeful that Drake London will also be one of these top 10, top 15 type of receivers in that same tier. And I think he certainly has the capability of being that he's not quite that dude yet, but as they say, having two of those guys uh, should Drake London develop into that. And you can still get that type of performance out of Deandre Hopkins for the next couple of years is better than having one of those guys. And I, you know, on that previous episode, I, I talked about how it would be reminiscent of you know having a trio of weapons with London, with Hopkins, with Pitts, comparable to what the Falcons had in 2012 when Matt Ryan had his true breakout year with weapons like Julio and Roddy and uh, Tony Gonzalez. And of course, we're hoping B. John Robinson can contribute a little bit more uh, to the 2023 Falcons in, in the future than what Michael Turner contributed on the ground game to that 2012 offense. But you know, those are some of the pros, pretty obvious. Uh, but the cons are you know, dealing with the money and the age, right? Um, You know, the the thing that stopped a trade from happening um, for teams was the contract that teams would have to basically inherit like $20 million in base salary. Now they don't have to do that, but I don't know if Hopkins is is eager to accept significantly less than that. Uh, There's been various reports from various NFL insiders over the last couple of days since news of Hopkins release uh, first broke that, you know, basically, you know, there was potentially a deal done 
uh, between him and the, or the, there was conversations between the Chiefs and the Cardinals about a trade. But then Odell Beckham signed his one year, $15 million deal with the Ravens. And that kind of threw a wrench in that because basically Hopkins is like, I need to get at least $15 million because Odell Beckham's the same age as me and has, you know, had similar issues or even not more issues of staying healthy the last couple of years. Uh, so if he can get that, I should be able to get that. And so that's throwing a wrench into it. So, you know, if you're a team, you know, we'll see how it all plays out over the, over the course of the next coming days and weeks and months potentially. But, you know, Hopkins is going to get ponied up and presumably, you know, if he was going to take a discount, I don't think it would be from the Atlanta Falcons, right? Like maybe for the bills or the chiefs, he'd take a discount from that $15 million range, but for the Falcons, I don't think he's taking a discount. So I don't know if the Falcons are necessarily looking to pay that type of price for a quote unquote number two wide receiver. And then the age, you know, he turned, he turns 31 next week. Right. And, and that makes Hopkins really a short-term option. And he's been dealing with nagging injuries, um, you know, suspensions the last couple of years. And you, you know, that's not something that's going to go away, uh, you know, as he gets older moving forward. And the other, you know, I think that leads to an issue of high maintenance and not, it's not necessarily from a, you know, diva personality standpoint, although I've read, you know, various people still feel like, you know, Hopkins is that guy, but like, you're going to have to keep him on a pitch count. And I don't know if the Falcons are necessarily going to be interested in doing that, especially given that he's probably not, the ideal scheme fit at this point in time in his career. Like if you're acquiring DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the expectation is you're going to throw the football. And I don't know if Arthur Smith is, is about that life, uh, you know, throwing the football uh, as much as you would need to justify the money that you're paying Hopkins and the investment that you put in the guys like London and Pitts, as well as Bijan and whatnot. So as I said, in, in March, you know, the, the case for Hopkins is that you're trying to maximize the next two years of, of Desmond Ritter um, because essentially to me, uh, Hopkins, addition for the Falcons is at most a two-year rental um you know that was the case when it was trade conversation and now the case with free agency because you know I don't think you want to be in the DeAndre Hopkins market come 2025 right when he's going to be 33 years old uh because around that time is you're going to be looking to extend Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London and you want to pay those guys premium dollars when they're in their primes rather than, you know, having this albatross of a contract for a 33-year-old DeAndre Hopkins uh, hanging on your neck at that point in time. So I feel like, as I said in March and have said many times, like if the Falcons were to, you know, go out there and acquire a, a veteran receiver or make a trade for a veteran receiver, they would target younger guys. The names I've continuously mentioned on the podcast, Hunter Renfro, Tyler Boyd, Van Jefferson, all those guys are between 26 and 28 years old, theoretically, because they're, you know, three plus years younger than DeAndre Hopkins. You're not just renting them for two years, but you're potentially renting them for four or five or more years just because of the upside that they potentially possess. And another player that is in that same age range is Corey Davis. And it's notable to me because the Jets are a team that has been mentioned as a, a team that may pursue DeAndre Hopkins uh, based off of a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, over the weekend, you know, he wrote a blurb on the Jets acquiring uh, or being interested in Hopkins uh, saying that New York was very close to signing Odell Beckham Jr. before the Ravens came with a compelling offer. The Jets appear open to adding another target for Aaron Rodgers. New York has $6.9 million in cap space, but can create more by reworking the salaries of C.J. Mosley who's making 17 million and Corey Davis who's making 10.5 million a receiver nucleus of Garrett Wilson 
Hopkins, Alan Lazard, Miko Hardman, and Davis would be dangerous. And yes, J- Jeremy Fowler also mentioned the Falcons as a quote unquote wild card team to land Hopkins in that same article in the blurb he wrote about the Falcons is Atlanta has been unafraid to spend this offseason while enjoying the fruits of a quarterback on a rookie contract. Its pass catching core is young, but the presence of Hopkins could spice up Arthur Smith's offense. Like Cleveland, Atlanta GM Terry Fontenot has aggressively pursued signings and trades over the past three months. So you know, I, I don't think a Corey Davis trade for the Falcons is likely, but I will continue to pound the table that I think the, the Jets and, the, and, and Corey Davis parting ways at some point this offseason is inevitable, right? And we've talked about before how, you know, teams typically do not keep more than four active receivers on their roster that don't play special teams, right? And you already have, you know, and theoretically the Jets could say, okay, Miko Hartman, you'll be a special teams guy, so you'll just be a return specialist. And that will leave us with Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, and, and Randall Cobb as our four active receivers on game day. But if they were to sign DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, one of those guys is going to have to go, and I pretty much guarantee it's not going to be Garrett Wilson. It's not going to be Alan Lazar. It's not going to be Randall Cobb. So clearly, it's going to be Corey Davison rather than you know restructure. And it's not really a restructure because Corey Davis in the final year of his contract, it's going to be at the pay cut. Like why? Why would the Jets make Corey Davis take a pay cut so they can keep DeAndre Hopkins? Just cut Corey Davis so that you can replace him with DeAndre Hopkins. And so to me, the Corey Davis situation. I brought this up before is to me like the reverse of the Deion Jones situation from last year. As you guys recall, this time last year in late May, I sat here on the podcast and said, Deion Jones has probably played his last down as an Atlanta Falcon. And, you know, that was true of the regular season, not so true of the preseason. He did play a couple of preseason snaps later that summer. And I basically said, at some point, the Falcons are going to part ways with him, whether it's a trade, whether it's a cut. We'll, we'll, you know, he's done in Atlanta. And while I didn't get the timing right, because there was a lot of factors that delayed that departure of Deion Jones here in Atlanta, and ultimately he was traded to the Browns in October, um, you know, we took a meandering path, but we got to the, the destination, right? Uh, so that wound up being true. And to me, it's the same thing with Corey Davis and the Jets, right? The Jets can sit here and talk all this talk about, oh, we want Corey Davis here on the team. But clearly all the signs are there that the Jets and the <laughs> Corey Davis are eventually going to part ways. It's just a matter of, of how and when. Is it a trade? Probably not. Is it a uh, release? I think that's probably more likely. And so I think, you know, the Falcons, the Jets are going to drag this out. The Falcons can afford to be patient. It's a waiting game. We'll see whether or not the, the Jets are willing to, to roll with Corey Davis going into the season. But the thing I'll say is even if they are successfully able to get Corey Davis to take a pay cut, regardless of what happens with DeAndre Hopkins and whether he lands in New York, it sounds like a lot of people think Cleveland uh, will also be an option there as well to reunite him with the Browns quarterback. Uh, but, you know, I, I think eventually – if the Jets are even successful getting Corey Davis to take a pay cut, guess what that does, guys? It makes him a lot easier to trade uh, to a team like the Atlanta Falcons. So we will continue on this podcast to push the Corey Davis watch, uh, you know, hashtag, whatever you want to call it uh, here on the podcast. I know some of you guys are going to be tired of it. So for probably the 44th time, uh, you know, the first or the 44th time on the podcast and probably the 44th of 88 times that we'll say on the podcast, is this the week that the Falcons land Corey Davis? We'll find out right later. Probably not. But, you know, again, I, I just think this is a waiting game. It's eventually going to happen. Corey Davis, good veteran presence by all accounts, a great locker room guy. 
fits the scheme. You know, he's going to, he's got size, he can block, you know, Arthur Smith knows how to utilize him. It just, you know, and again, because he's 28, you're not necessarily going to be renting him for a year or two, potentially, you know, him and, and Drake London could be a tag team uh, duo here in Atlanta. Should Corey Davis find his way uh, South to Atlanta, you know, for many, many years to come. So it to me makes total sense, but we'll just have to, you know, play the waiting game. We'll just be patient. And the Jets are going to keep, you know, pretending that they're going to keep Corey Davis here. And I'll continue to die on this hill that they are not going to do it. And eventually Corey Davis will find his way to Atlanta. And even if we're sitting here on, on Halloween on the trade deadline and, and it hasn't happened, I'm still going to, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year. And I'm going to still sit here and go, you know, when we get to January, is this the offseason where the Falcons acquire Corey Davis? So we'll see how that goes, guys. But we'll wrap up today's episode talking with Andrew Lyon of Locked on Gamecocks uh, to talk about the Falcons final draft pick in Javon Gwynn. And I believe for all you everydayers, a shout out to you guys that make this podcast your first listen, that have heard all this stuff about Corey Davis and, and DeAndre Hopkins many times before. Uh, you know, I think tomorrow as your first listen, we'll continue talking about the wide receivers because I want to talk a little bit about potential post June one moves. And, and that will allow me to, you know, revisit Hunter Renfro uh, as a potential option, because I do think once June 1st hits, uh, you know, the Raiders, it becomes a lot easier for the Raiders to move on for Hunter Renfro. So that seems like a trade that's much more likely. And so we'll, we'll revisit that topic uh, in addition to, you know, keeping Corey Davis on the back burner. Right. So that will be worthwhile discussion as well as I have some thoughts on, you know, the Falcons solving their swing tackle needs. So we'll talk about some potential summer moves at the Falcon that we can look forward to the Falcons after June 1st on tomorrow's episode, but we'll get into that. Then today we will continue the conversation with Andrew Lyon of the locked on Gamecocks. All right, everyone, you are back with another illustrious guest here on Locked on Falcons. He is none other than Andrew Leon. Andrew, Ly I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> it's okay. I literally just asked you how to say your name and I just messed it up. Andrew Lyon, <laughs> host of Locked on Gamecocks. You can check him out on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the lead writer for Gamecocks Digest over at si.com despite botching this intro andrew welcome to locked on Fox. <laughs> thank you Aaron. i appreciate you having me on this is my first time on an nfl based podcast so i'm uh, really looking forward to it yeah i know there's exciting times going on in uh south carolina for you know this uh, uh shane beamer era that's gotten off to a great start and you know with that program looking to be on the up, you know, I'm curious to see how it kind of coincided with Javon Gwynn's career uh, in Columbia. You know, he, he seems to, from everything I've read about him and from what little I've watched of him, you know, he seems to check all the boxes from like a leadership, a character, a durability standpoint. He was a two-time captain, 47 consecutive starts at the right guard position, a semifinalist for the William Campbell trophy, which is the academic Heisman. You know, it, it seems like there's everything to love about him as a prospect, but it just seemed like the NFL teams looked at him in, even though he's a large human being for most of us that are walking the planet, he's not that big relative to most of the offensive linemen uh, in the NFL. And I'm just curious, do you feel like the only reason why he didn't go higher in the draft was because of those size concerns? 
I, I absolutely agree with you on that, Aaron. I think that size concerns is the reason why Javon Gwynn was picked in the seventh round of the NFL draft. Obviously, when you're a guy that's about six foot two, 297 pounds, and someone that's got a wingspan of, I believe, 77 inches, which according to uh, NFLDraftBus.com is in the seventh percentile for offensive linemen on the very near bottom of the barrel. Uh, when it comes to the NFL, that stuff is going to hurt you. Obviously, in terms of just overall mass, people are going to expect that maybe your strength might not be able to match up with everybody on the defensive line and obviously wingspan. If there's one measurable that you want offensive linemen to have in the NFL where it's like right up there at the top, it is wingspan because it gives you a little bit more of a chance to win your one-on-ones, especially in pass protection. So Javon Gwynn, it is going to be an uphill battle for him in that perspective. But in terms of all the other intangibles that you mentioned, he aces every single other aspect. I mean, he's a very smart player. Again, you mentioned semifinals for the academic Heisman this past fall, a two-time team captain. He's a guy that's going to come into the building every single day. Probably one of those guys that's going to be one of the first one in, last one out type of players. And he's somebody that is going to fight and try to earn you know, what it is he's going to be offered by the Falcons. He's not going to expect it to be handed to him, obviously, especially considering the fact he was one of the last draft picks in the draft back in April. So Javon Gwynn is somebody that I think fans are going to be pulling for in Atlanta. I think you're going to want to see this guy succeed. And I think that Gwynn is somebody that can offer some potential. You know, I think that his main strength lies in terms of run blocking relevant to pass blocking, but obviously him playing guard, he might be able to get more help in the NFL with, you know, obviously his fellow lineman mates um, on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, I think Javon Gwynn again, you know, in terms of size concerns, that's why you probably saw him fall to the seventh round in the NFL draft. Well, you talk about his run blocking versus his pass blocking. And, you know, I, I, obviously I don't watch South Carolina nearly as much as you do, but I, I can recall a couple of years ago when like Kevin Harris was going real strong. They had a really strong running game and, you know, I went back earlier and watched some of those Kevin Harris highlights because I, I liked him as a prospect a couple of years ago. And like all over the highlights, you just see like Javon Gwynn pulling and, and clearing all these run lanes, despite the fact that, you know, again, you wouldn't necessarily – uh, say that about a guy given his size, but like the agility, the athleticism to get him on the move and all these various things. And then the last couple of years, we've seen kind of South Carolina kind of abandon the run game that, that, that was so strong at the end of the Will Muschamp era to sort of embrace this sort of pass first offense, especially this past year with Spencer Rattler in the building. Uh, I'm curious, is, is that a fair assessment to, to say that South Carolina's identity has kind of shifted over the course of Gwynn's career? And where do you, how do you think Gwynn handled that sort of transition? Aaron, I think it's totally fair. Uh, in 2020, South Carolina had Mike Bobo as their offensive coordinator, which I'm sure many Atlanta fans now will remember as, you know, Georgia's new offensive coordinator as of this offseason. So the Gamecocks had a very power run heavy blocking scheme for their offense. And that is where Javon, in my opinion, is going to thrive. He's going to thrive more so in those one-on-ones where you know he knows where he needs to get to. He knows probably the defender he needs to look for. And again, he might not exactly have the size measurables that you want, but he's a guy that is going to be technically sound. He's going to have good hand placement. He's going to be able to run his feet well. And if you're an offensive lineman that has good hands and good feet, then you're going to give yourself a good chance on every single play to win your one-on-one, whether it's pass blocking or run blocking. And then the past couple years, South Carolina has sort of moved more towards a zone blocking scheme, which I still think because of his smarts is something that Javon Gwynn can do well in. But I do feel like that Gwynn is somebody that you want to give him a full head of steam. You want to have him 
and pulling and doing trap blocks on the offensive line. I think that's where he really excels at the most. And again, that's not to say that he had a massive drop off in terms of production, but I think it is fair to say that South Carolina's offensive coordinator for the past couple of years, who's now at Nebraska, Marcus Satterfield, I don't think his scheme was all that friendly to the personnel that South Carolina had on their offensive line. And I think if Atlanta, you know, with assuming that they run both zone and power blocking schemes, if they can figure out a way to incorporate Javon Gwynn in more power run blocking schemes whenever he does get his chance on the field throughout this offseason going to preseason camp, then I think that Gwen's going to have a chance to really show the coaches what he can do in terms of his full potential. But if he doesn't get that chance, then, you know, he might be really having to fight hard to make that 53-man roster later in August. Yeah, I think it will be an uphill battle for Javon Gwynn. The Falcons do play a lot of zone stuff. Uh, but I think he has a champion in in on that coaching staff because uh, Dwayne Ledford, who is the Falcons' offensive line coach, used to be the offensive line coach at NC State. And from what I've read, NC State was one of the teams that heavily recruited Javon Gwynn. And I think Dwayne Ledford was like, I like this guy. Uh, and then, you know, now like five years later, it's like, I got a chance to actually coach this guy, which I wanted to do five years ago. So I think he will have a champion on that coaching staff and we'll see what Javon Gwynn can do. I think, you know, the Falcons are going to probably try to transition him long-term to the center position where they think, you know, he may, uh, those size concerns may not be as pressing an issue because you won't have to put him one-on-one uh, in pass protection as much. And we'll, we'll sort of see how that transition goes. But, you know, I, I think he's kind of a little bit of a project that the Falcons may stash, whether that's on the practice squad or the back end of the roster this upcoming season. But I, I do think there's a lot to like about Javon Gwynn and what he can be in the future uh, here in Atlanta. But uh, for those people that are curious of what's going on in Columbia, you know, tell the listeners and, and the viewers uh, where they can check out your stuff, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're interested in looking for more content regarding South Carolina Gamecock athletics, you can go and find me at Locked On Gamecocks on YouTube. And you can also search it up wherever you get your audio podcasts. And you can also give us a follow at Twitter. My personal at is at a line underscore SC. We've also got at Locked On SC specifically for the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. And then as Aaron mentioned at the beginning, which I do appreciate, you can also find my written work on South Carolina over on Gamecocks Digest at SI.com. Andrew, I really appreciate you joining me on today's Lockdown Falcons. Look forward to seeing, you know, what, you know, a different brand of Beamer ball can get up to, uh, you know, one state up from Georgia, uh, you know, so uh, curious to see how, you know, the Gamecocks, you know, make this, you know, if they can maybe close the distance between a, a certain team uh, in the state of Georgia in that SEC East uh, in the years to come, but certainly uh, looking forward to seeing what you do uh, on Locked On Gamecocks, as well as what Javon Gwynn can do here in Atlanta. So I appreciate you coming on today's Locked On Falcons. Thank you, Aaron. All right, guys, that's it on today's episode. As I said earlier, we will be talking about potential post-June slash summer moves, uh, in, including, you know, discussing, you know, does it make sense for the Falcons to acquire someone like Hunter Renfro as opposed to, uh, you know, waiting for Corey Davis, uh, you know, they, they just don't have the patience to wait for the Jets uh, to, you know, do the thing or get off the pot, as they say, uh, or, you know, passing on DeAndre Hopkins. Does Hunter Renfro make sense? As well as I have a, a theory on we're going to be looking at another team that plays in the same division as the Jets, the Miami Dolphins, as a potential option uh, that may help the Falcons solve their offensive tackle depth needs uh, later this summer. So that will be something to keep an eye on for tomorrow's episode here on the Lockdown Falcons podcast uh, and continue to make us your first listen. 
All right, guys. Appreciate it. Till then.